Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.58 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 21st of July, 2021, and this is episode 459 of Bitcoin and Bitstamp adds support for Euro-backed Tether stablecoin amid increasing demand. Let's get right into the reason why fiat will never die because we keep fucking supporting it. I'm telling you, man, this is the way that you do not get rid of fiat. If you didn't want to get rid of fiat, this is exactly the way to not get rid of fiat. Ladies and gentlemen, a Euro Tether. Not 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 USDT, Euro T. Let's get into it with Sebastian Sinclair from Coindesk. Cryptocurrency exchange Bitstamp is looking to cash in on growing stablecoin demand by adding support for Tether uh, tokens denominated in Euros, or E-U-R-T is what looks like the ticker is going to be. According to a press release on Wednesday, the exchange's European users will be able to trade, deposit, and transfer without needing to access other stablecoins first. Bitstamp Chief Product Officer Miha Vidmir said access to EURT will save its users time and money without reducing their overall purchasing power. And the move comes as Euro-backed stablecoin demand has been increasing, with Tether rivals such as Stasis's EURS token siphoning some of Tether's dominant market share. Overall demand for USDT and EURT has somewhat lessened in recent weeks on the, lack of, on the back of regulatory pressures in China and a rise in stablecoin competition. Still, Tether CTO Paolo, or Paolo Arduino said he anticipates a ready uptake of EURT on Bitstamp. Bitstamp, domiciled in the UK, is the world's fifth largest exchange in trading volume, according to data by Bitwise. <clears throat> if you didn't want to get rid of fiat, this is the way to do it. Just continue to peg your shit to it. Just continue to just get it going on. <sighs> We're not going to get rid of fiat. It's just not going to happen. Okay, so what is the amalgamation of this whole thing going to look like? We don't know. I don't know. You don't know. Paolo Arduino doesn't know. But what I'm seeing is an organic rise of a fusion between the shitty-ass legacy financial system and Bitcoin. And I I don't think... I'm. Well, Bitcoin doesn't know what it wants. Bitcoin doesn't think. It just does. What does it do? It stamps a new block every 10 minutes and throws freaking transactions into it. And it doesn't give a shit what anybody else wants. It doesn't care what I want. But all it, it because of that particular nature, things can get connected to it. And we're going to end up connecting almost every shitty fiat on the face of the planet. We're going to hook it right into the system. And this is not the way to get rid of fiat. 
Now, you may disagree with me and that's fine and I may be completely wrong and I reserve the right to be completely wrong, but I just don't see this as good. I mean, I, it's probably bullish. I mean, and then again, everything is good for Bitcoin, but I don't think it's good for humanity to start hooking in the, the very thing that caused the rise of Bitcoin in the first freaking place to come into be, to come into existence. It was, it was the, the way that the way that countries were printing money, the way that they were bailing out banks, the way that some were bailing in banks by stealing the savings from people like IE in Greece, which happened a few years back. I, this is not the way to get rid of fiat, ladies and gentlemen. God dang, man. Now, <clears throat> on the heels of that news, we have this one from Bitcoin Magazine and Nick Hoffman. Uh, Bitcoin exchange FTX raises $900 million. It's the largest raise in exchange history. That's right. And that's probably why we're, probably why we're seeing a pump today. There's a couple of other pieces of good news. Uh, if you are waking up to big green dildos, this may be one of the reasons why. Today, fan-favorite Bitcoin exchange FTX Trading Limited announced the completion of a $900 million Series B fundraise at an $18 billion valuation per release into Bitcoin Magazine, according to the release. Over 60 investors, such as Paul Tudor Jones' family, uh, Coinbase Ventures, Van Eck, Insight Partners, and many, 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 many more. Many of the investors had nothing but spectacular things to say about the company and its CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried. Quote, crypto has the potential to disrupt our global financial system, and we believe FTX will be core to this theme for years to come, said Devin Pereka. I can't pronounce his name, sorry. Managing Director of Insight Partners, quote, we believe this is only the beginning of FTX's growth story and are thrilled to partner with them on the journey ahead, end quote. Oh, God, the hyperbole. The funds will be allocated to further expand its product offerings and user base, as well as leveraging the funds to grow the business via strategic investments, according to the release. To help drive even more growth for the company, they will be expanding their network of partnerships that they have for their FTX pay, FTX liquidity program and FTX NFT business lines. This will no doubt noticeably increase the company's presence worldwide. Bankman Fried commented on today's news stating, quote, I'm incredibly humbled by the support we've gotten. It's our first large fundraise, but through, but through it, we formed a hugely valuable set of partners. I am excited to work with them to make FTX the best company it can be, end quote. FTX is growing at a fairly rapid clip and is poised to capture even more growth as Bitcoin becomes more mainstream and popular. All right, so it's an exchange, which means what? Well, they deal in shit coins, but I've seen worse. I, I really have, and this is a huge raise. I mean, not only is it the biggest raise, it's a one hell of a raise, dude. I mean, what was this? I mean, it's like $900 million in one raise. At a billion dollars, you got yourself a unicorn. So they, with, with a Series B, with a Series B alone, they were nine-tenths of way to unicorn status. And at, at an $18 billion valuation, they're clearly a unicorn. So... The, you know, shit marches on. And this is what I was saying yesterday and probably the day before. Bitcoin does, I mean, 
All you got to do is wait. There are reasons why consolidations happen. And I was thinking about it again yesterday, and I've talked about this a few times, with the amount of Bitcoin that's not moving compared to the scant amount of Bitcoin that is moving, right? It, it seems clear that price discovery is in the hands of a very few people who are trading. And, and price discovery is at, a, is at a volume that doesn't make sense for price discovery. Are we really seeing the price of Bitcoin? That's, I, that's my total question right there. And I've been thinking about this for months. Given the amount of Bitcoin changing hands on exchanges, which is basically your main signal of what the price of Bitcoin is in the real world, are we sure that we're looking correctly at the price of Bitcoin? If every, I mean, if 90% of the Bitcoin that was, you know, you know, minted to this day and it was all trading every day, then I would say, you know, an emphatic probably, yes, we were, but we're not seeing that. Most of the Bitcoin is not moving. We're just holding it. I'm not trading mine. I know I, I'm pretty sure that Sailor's not trading his. I don't know what Elon Musk is doing and neither do you, but be that as it may, the question remains. With the scant amount of trading going on volume-wise, is Bitcoin priced correctly? My answer to that is absolutely not. Let's continue on. Sunday's GBTC unlock held more shares than the remaining events combined. William Suberg has it from Cointelegraph. Bitcoin is rebounding despite the ongoing grayscale Bitcoin trust unlocking events. And most shares are already released. Thank God. Ugh. According to data from tracking resource by, Bybit, BYBT, the remaining unlockings combined involve fewer shares than those which were released on just one day last weekend. July 18th saw around 16,240 BTC worth of GBTC shares in their six-month lockup period, the largest such release in a single day. The event saw a hefty buildup with arguments raging over its likely impact on the Bitcoin price. Monday's BTC price dip was timely when it came to GBTC, fitting a narrative that a sell-off would follow such large releases. Even if that were true, Bitcoin hodlers now have a silver lining. Unlockings are only scheduled until August 25th, and the outstanding shares are fewer in number than on Sunday's tranche. In reality, however, supporting evidence for unlockings results in sell-offs is, is lacking. As various sources stress, Bitcoin markets themselves are in fact left out of such events altogether because GBTC shares cannot be redeemed for BTC, which could then theoretically be dumped for cash or stablecoins. Quote, Grayscale just had the biggest GBTC unlock today and nothing exploded, end quote. Popular Twitter commenter Lark Davis wrote on Monday, citing the Bybit figures, quote, one more big unlock on the 20th, and then the whole GBTC crashing Bitcoin narrative will be over. 
What FUD will they come out with next? End quote. Yeah, no shit, dude. That FUD had nonetheless infiltrated some of the best known names in finance, including banking giant JP Morgan. Quote, selling of GBTC shares exiting the six-month lockup period during June and July has emerged as an additional headwind for Bitcoin, a report claimed earlier in the month. As Cointelegraph reported, meanwhile, interest in GBTC and Grayscale's other products remains. Both Rothschild Investment Group or, or Investment Corporation and ARK Invest have added to their holdings in July, the latter boosting its Bitcoin exposure by an additional 310,000 shares. Quote, GBTC is doing hundreds of millions of dollars a day in notional trading volume and it really is the easiest way for many investors to add crypto exposure alongside stocks, bonds, ETFs, other things that they may own. Grayscale CEO Michael Schottenschein, or Sonnenschein, whatever, told Bloomberg on Monday. A survey of institutions by asset manager Fidelity likewise revealed positive long-term approaches to cryptocurrency, with 71% of responses planning to uh, have a market entry in the future. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit yesterday. <laughs> so the GBTC share FUD is over for now. Okay, so I guess, so at this point, we've got people that are piling in at the same time that the six-month lock unlock period occurred, like, our, you know, Kathy Wood's ARK Invest. So she's got, I, I can only assume, a, we started a six-month lockup period. So are we going to be here again? This is the thing that I cannot stand about GBTC. I mean, it's a, it's a product that's making Barry, you know, Barry a lot of cash. It is, and good for him, but I, I don't know, man. I guess that's, that's GBTC is part of the price discovery, but I still don't think that it's, it's a true price discovery on, or instrument on Bitcoin. I really don't. I think it's, it's, it's not directly impact because they're not moving the actual BTC. They're moving shares of something that rep, that is backed by G that's backed by BTC. But unless the actual Bitcoin moves onto an exchange and is sold and or bought, then I just don't think it's real price discovery. I just, I just don't, I can't see it as happening. Now <clears throat> on that news, we have the Rothschild investment corporation tripling its Bitcoin position. And we just got a little bit of that, but let's get into the details. Namcios has them from Bitcoin Magazine. Rothschild Investment Corp has almost quadrupled its indirect Bitcoin position since April, showing a buy the dip mentality during BTC's recent price decline. A filing with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission from July 19th shows that the investment manager's holdings of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust grew to 141,405 shares in the second quarter of 2021, which was up from 38,346 in the first quarter of the same year. That's, dude, that's quite, a, that's quite an addition right there. Rothschild's indirect position in BTC now represents approximately $4.2 million compared to $1.92 million in the first quarter. GBTC shares attempt 
to serve as a proxy for the BTC USD pair by tracking the Bitcoin market price, less berries, fees, and expenses. As a result, it has become a popular investment vehicle amongst institutional investors seeking indirect exposure to the Bitcoin price and dollar terms. The trust currently embarks $20.2 billion of assets under management. Rothschild more than tripling the Bitcoin position also comes amid the recent short-term price consolidation for Bitcoin. Grayscale CEO Michael Shanashin recently commented on the profile of GBTC investors in general, reiterating that they are not worried about short-term fluctuations in price. He said instead, quote, there are investors looking at their allocations over the medium to longer term, so any volatility is not something anyone is phased by, end quote. Sonnen Sheen also gave an update on Grayscale's plans for turning GBTC into an ETF, saying that a Bitcoin ETF in the United States is really a matter of when, not a matter of if. He later added that his company is currently looking for a couple of different points of maturation in the underlying market, which he claims represents the final stages of what regulators need to approve this type of product. So he's looking for a, an ETF soon, which means they will have to, I mean, they're, I don't know. <clears throat> I'm not the biggest fan of Barry and Grayscale, but you gotta admit, man, they've been around for a long ass time. And if they can convert GBTC into an ETF, they may very well be the first ETF on the table. They got all their ducks in a row, mostly. I, I would assume that they do. Um, they've hired eight different people to work on this ETF, and they're not, as far as I know, they're employees for uh, Grayscale and not contractors. So they've added to their actual payroll, and they've got to pay health insurance on all that shit and taxes. So they're, you know, you don't do that unless you're very serious about your shit. So <clears throat> I'm thinking, I'm just going to go ahead and call it. Um, I am looking at GBTC to be the first United States-based e Bitcoin ETF. Just going to say it. Not, not because I want it that way. I'm just going to, it just seems that they're the best positioned at this point to actually break through that particular wall. All right, let's see here. Oh, we got a fun one on our hands, y'all. Uh, Bitcoin Magazine's Alex McShane has this one. European Union proposes law to KYC all wallet transfers. <laughs> Good luck. May I remind the EU that 90% of all BTC that will ever be in existence has already been issued. And by the time this law gets passed, if it does get passed, dude, too late. Good luck with all this. European Commission has com proposed a law that would force companies that engage in Bitcoin transactions and transfers within the EU to collect the identities of senders and receivers. Under this law, Bitcoin transactions from companies would then become know your customer compliant and traceable. Wire transfers are already subject to this regulation under what is called the travel rule. The proposal comes after a recommendation by the Financial Action Task Force, of course, the FATF. The unelected bureaucrats, yes, of course, they just get to write all the rules. They're not, they don't even have to be elected. They don't even have to go through a campaign to get elected. They just, I don't know, go eat lunch with somebody and all of a sudden they're part of FATF and they can tell banks what to do. It's amazing. We live in an amazing world, ladies and gentlemen. 
The commission stated, quote, Today's amendments will ensure full traceability of crypto asset transfers such as Bitcoin and will allow for prevention and detection of their possible use for money laundering or terrorism financing, end quote. This rule will make it illegal to provide pseudonymous Bitcoin wallets within the EU. Let's stop right there. Get your Bitcoin off of the exchanges. Get it off now. Okay, get it if it's in exchanges, if it's in an institution, if you can get a hold of the actual Bitcoin and put it into your wallet, you need to do that shit now. Because rumblings are that they're just that they actually think that they're going to be able to make, I don't know, I heard this yesterday, wallet to wallet transfers somehow KYC. No, you can't. Yes, they can do this shit with it at the institutional level. Anybody who's regulated by the EU at this point will fall into this purview, right? But me giving you Bitcoin from my wallet to your wallet, not, not from my wallet to your exchange wallet. No, no, no. My wallet to your actual, like, I don't know, like you got a cold card wallet, you know, you've generated a wallet off of a cold card. They can't do anything about that. They're trying to make numbers and letters illegal, okay? I've been hearing, hearing stuff like that for a while. So anyway, can, let's just continue. The European Commission also commented that although this effort was made in order to address unspecified threats, I love that, presumably of money laundering at the same time, it didn't intend to create an excessive regulatory burden on the industry Despite this comment, under this regulation, anyone sending Bitcoin would be required to give their name, address, date of birth, and account number to the service provider. The service provider of the receiver of the Bitcoin transfer would be responsible for tracking all of the recipient's information. It is unclear whether the European manufacturers of pseudonymous wallets such as Ledger and Trezor would continue to export pseudonymous wallets or whether they will KYC their wallets only within the EU. Fortunately, the European Parliament and the EU states uh, still get the final say on this intrusive anti-privacy amendment, meaning Trezor and Ledger may be able to continue to make pseudonymous wallets in Europe for the next two years before the law comes into effect. Okay, see, there it is. There's the rumblings that the actual wallet manufacturers themselves, and these are hardware wallets, you can, I mean, I don't need a Ledger to generate, I don't, I don't need a Ledger to generate a wallet. I would need a ledger if I wanted a hardware wallet or a Trezor or a cold card or something. A hardware wallet generates a wallet and it does it in, in a, their own specific ways. But I, I can still gin up my own wallet, even if it's not on a fancy little device. And a lot, when I first got into crypto, or God, crypto, I'm sorry, guys. When I first got into Bitcoin at, in 2015, it was about 2016 that I started thinking, should I be generating a whole bunch of wallet addresses? And I asked this on Twitter and got smacked down, but I was like, should I just generate a whole bunch of wallet addresses and keep them to give them out to people when shit like this was going to happen? Because I figured back then that shit like this was going to happen. And of course, that was just me thinking dumb. Why was it dumb? Well, because if I generated the wallet address, you can't trust me. It takes a while, guys, to get to figure Bitcoin out. And all of us have had our had our very serious, you know, misconceptions about what Bitcoin and 
what it is and how it works and, and what the underlying functionalities actually do and you know what can be trusted. But still, even back then, I saw this shit coming. I was like going, no, there's no way that this shit, you know, is going to be allowed, you know, for too much longer. Still, it doesn't matter what they do to Trezor and Ledger or Cold Card in, in Canada. We, we have all the tools to gen up our own wallets. Well, uh, uh, Rodolfo Novak from Cold Card, he's got the entire set of plans, everything that you need what you need to go buy to build your own cold card wallet. This, they're not going to be able to stop this. So this, this part of the FUD is nonsensical. If you're a private user, that is, and you hold your own keys. If you're an institution, you're bored, and that's just the way shit is. Now, China's all pissed off at Senator Lummis. China wants U.S. senators to stop making trouble out of digital yuan. <laughs> Erhan Carmen has it for uh, Cointelegraph. The heat is rising between United States lawmakers and Chinese officials even before the lighting of the Olympic flame at the 2022 Beijing Winter Games. During a press briefing on Tuesday, Chinese Foreign Minister or Ministry spokesperson Zhao Lijian addressed U.S. Senator's warning letter to the U.S. U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee regarding the use of the digital wand at the Olympic Games next year. I told you about this yesterday calling for the U.S. politicians to abide by the spirit stipulated in, in the Olympic Charter. Lijian asked them to stop making sports a political matter and stop making troubles out of the digital currency in China, the South China Morning Post reported. Yeah, she hit a nerve, dude. There's something wrong with this. Claiming that the recent actions revealed ignorance, Lijian suggested U.S. lawmakers figure out what a digital currency really is. Dude, she hit a nerve. They are pissed. This reaction, this response was quick, and they're cutting to the chase, man. Now, screw China. I don't give a shit. I mean, they can be pissed off and, you know, pee their pants all day long for all I give a shit. But I'm, I'm very happy to know that what Senator Loomis and the other two senators wrote have elicited this response. If you don't know what they wrote, you need to go read what they wrote because it's very telling how China is immediately pissed off. Immediately pissed off. Let's continue. Earlier this week, Senators Marsha Blackburn, Roger Wicker, and Cynthia Lummis wrote a letter to the United States Olympic and Paralympic Paralympic Committee Board Chair Suzanne Lyons, highlighting the allegation that the digital wand can be tracked and traced by the People's Bank of China and three requested officials prevent U.S. athletes from using or accepting the digital Chinese currency claiming the Chinese Communist Party could use the currency to surveil visiting athletes upon their return to the United States. The senators said the new features of the digital wand enable Chinese officials to know the exact details of what someone purchased and where. Man, it's because Senator Lummis knows how this shit works, dude. In the letter, the three requested a briefing on the topic for the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation within 30 days, On the other hand, China regards the Beijing Winter Olympics as the first test of China's central bank digital currency by foreign users. Speaking at the Beo Forum for Asia in April, PBOC Deputy Governor Li Bo said, quote, for the upcoming Winter Olympics, we were trying to make an 
ECNY available not only to domestic users, but also to international athletes and like visitors. And why, you know, that's the end of the article, why they want to track foreign, you know, nationals should be evident. And that's exactly what this currency does. It's, a, it's spyware. That's all this shit is. It's spyware with the functionality of trade. Man, they, the, these three senators know exactly what the Chinese are doing, and that's why they're so pissed. And honestly, if you are an American athlete and you're listening to this and you're going to go to the Olympics and compete, I, I don't think it's right to ban you from using it, but don't use the currency. Do not use it. If at all possible, stay away from it. Learn how to use Bitcoin instead. Hey, let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. Oh, God, thank God. Oil's bouncing back a little bit. This has nothing to do with my stance on oil. It's just... The FUD, you know, it's been in all markets, and so we've got a little bit of recovery. Oil, West Texas Intermediate, up 1.5%, $68.24. Brent North Sea, tracking the same, up 1.5% to $70.44 a barrel. Natural gas, likewise, uh, 1.86%, $3.94. Wow, holy shit, it must have rocketed yesterday while oil was uh, oil was going down uh three dollars and 94 cents for a thousand cubic feet gasoline is up almost a full point two dollars and 14 cents a gallon uh gold however is not making peter schiff happy this morning down half a point to 1801 dollar silver is up a half point 25 dollars and 13 cents platinum is up a half a point copper is down 0.18 Palladium is up a full point, well, almost a full point. Uh, all the agricultural futures are mixed. Nothing grabbing me except chocolate. Cocoa is up one, over a full point, but everything else is under a, under a point in movement, either down or up. Dow futures are up 0.43. S&P futures are up a quarter. NASDAQ futures are down scant 0.08. And the S&P mini is up 0.76. That's going to do it for that. Real money, our, we got our bounce. $31,392 is what I'm showing over here at bidinfocharts.com. 229,500 transactions before in the last 24 hours is... 9,500 transactions on average every hour with 401,000 BTC being sent in that 24-hour period. That's 16,726 BTC sent every hour on the hour on average with an average uh, transaction value of 1.75 BTC and the median transaction value 0.025 BTC, $777 and a one quarter. Block times are a bit high, 10 minutes and 26 seconds, with 0.11 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 16.2 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. With an 11.27% drop in hash rate, we are down to 94 exahashes per second. And your shitcoin indicator has also got to bounce. Why? Because Bitcoin bounced. Your shitcoin doesn't do anything unless, unless asking Bitcoin permission to do it. Remember that. 
18.7 United States pennies, and it should be 0.001 United States penny. Clark Moody's dashboard shows 3,280 transactions waiting on three blocks to clear. We're back to a $590 billion of market capitalization, which is 5.01% of gold's market cap. Yet as of yesterday and today, we can buy only 17.4 ounces of shiny metal rocks with our one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,762,391.5 in existence. 1,907.5 of those BTC are in the Lightning Network with a capacity value of $60 million being run over 12,831 nodes that we know about with 57,179 channels that we know about. 69.2% of all of that is being run over Tor with 1,320.13 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network. That is, let's see, uh, being run over 7,488 nodes. 69.2% percentage tour capacity looks to be yet another all-time high. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We're going to start this one off with something by Max Middlestate uh, from Bitcoin Magazine. Now, bear with me. This is this article is written in a fascinatingly different way, and I'm talking about format. Um, there's a bunch of tweets from uh, uh, people, and at first, and then there's a bullet point list, and then there's another bullet point list, and then there's I don't know, a numbered list, it's, but it's about Georgia. So let's, let's try this and see what happens. Uh, again, for Bitcoin Magazine, this is Max, Max Middlestate. Bitcoin for Georgia, how to use Bitcoin as a nation. Okay, let's get into the tweets. The effects from major countries' policies will hit emerging countries economically and financially. Jack Mallers. Bitcoin is perfect money for the internet. It is instant, safe, and free. Bitcoin is the internet of money. At its core, Bitcoin is a great technology that will change the world forever. Andreas Antonopoulos. Cryptocurrency has become a worldwide transaction of which you cannot even identify who owns what. The technology is so strong that I don't see the kind of regulation that we can do. Bitcoin has made our currency almost useless or valueless. Sani Musa, which is a senator from Nigeria. Bitcoin is the first network in the history of the world that is engineered to host a synthetic safe haven, long-duration asset. It is a thermodynamically sound network for storing, channeling, monetary energy over time with no power loss. It is the critical engineered technology of the decade, maybe of the century. Can you guess who? It's Michael Saylor. Central banks are increasingly taking actions that may cause harm to the economic stability of developing countries and emerging markets that in order to mitigate the negative impact from central banks, it becomes necessary to authorize the circulation of Bitcoin with supply that cannot be controlled by any central bank and is only altered in accord with objective and calculable criteria. Uh, criteria. Naib Bukele, president of El Salvador. Bitcoin fixes important problems for developing and emerging markets. Bullet points. Bitcoin has a fixed supply that is not dependent upon demand. It's super saleable across time and space. 
It has monetary policy enforced by a distributed network so that the network is the most secure in the world. There is a predictable issuance. You can determine exactly how many Bitcoin there are and how many Bitcoin will be created. Bitcoin is open global permissionless. It works the same everywhere and Bitcoin is for everyone. Bitcoin improves remittance for the residents. The final international settlement for Bitcoin is faster than in fiat. There are lower transaction fees than in the classic financial system from microtransactions up to millions of dollars. Anyone can send anything almost for free. Bitcoin improves financial inclusivity, banking the unbanked, creates technological progress. Any country can immediately get the same level of technological development and financial infrastructure as more developed countries. Now, a little bit of pros. The Lightning Network, which is built on top of the Bitcoin network and is a further development of the payment function, is a great technology because money is nothing more than a technology. You can spend money with the Lightning Network from any point in the world to any other point in the world instantaneously, securely, and for minimal fees, sometimes less than a penny, or for practically no fees at all. <clears throat> Quote for Jack Mallers, Bitcoin itself is a physical asset, so there's no sense of credit. There's no sense of balance sheet flow. You're not borrowing money from anybody. The actual physical value is traveling in real time. It's going to take a second for physical value to move and it's going to cost us nothing. That in itself is a massive step forward for money as a technology. By the way, there's no counterparty risk and no reversals. It is the only instrument that can achieve global, global cash finality instantly and at no cost, end quote. Lightning Network has the following features. Bullet point list. <clears throat> Instant settlement and no dependence on foreign banks. The network is owned by the community. It operates by simple mathematical rules that everybody, everybody who uses the network agrees upon. There are no intermediaries. There are no fees. Fast transactions in real time. Digital transactions that require only a smartphone with internet access. Pros. <clears throat> what does all this mean for a developing country like Georgia? A country with 3.8 million inhabitants who have an average age of 38 years old. The unemployment rate is about 13%. Uh, 50 to 70% of the workforce is self-employed. The country is bordered by Russia in the north, Turkey and Armenia in the south, and Azerbaijan in the east. Georgia is sparsely populated. More than a quarter of the population lives in the capital region around Tbilisi. Other large cities include Batumi, Kutaisi and Rutsavi, uh, which 20% of Georgia is still occupied by Russia, by the way. <laughs> now, a numbered list with, with paragraphs of prose. I'm telling you, man, this is kind of a mess to read, but it's about Georgia and I need people like Georgia to adopt Bitcoin, so we're doing this. Banking the unbanked. According to the World Bank, about 40% of all Georgians did not have a bank account as of 2017. In 2019, Georgia had 3.8 million inhabitants. So of those, about 1.4 million are without a bank account. With a smartphone, these people could immediately participate in international and domestic payments using Bitcoin. If the country gave away cell phones with a hot wallet to those without a bank account, it would cost just 105 million US dollars, providing the entire population <clears throat> with the safest and hardest means of payment ever invented. Two, protection against inflation. In June of 2021, Georgia broke a 10-year record high, charting an annual inflation rate of almost 
Bitcoin is the hardest asset in the world with the stock to flow ratio. The underlying value is on the one hand, the available quantity of an asset, i.e. all units of currency, and the quantity of Bitcoin that is added to this stock every year. <clears throat> Finally, the ratio of the two values, stock and flow, describes the total amount of time it would take to reach the total stock at the current rate, end parentheses, of about 57. So let's, let's get that uh, straight. Bitcoin is the hardest asset in the world with a stock to flow ratio of about 57. Uh, there was, that was a long parenthesis that broke up that sentence. Don't do that. That's, that's bad. That, that, that's bad reading. Becoming more independent from large nations. Well, for example, the EU is investing a lot of money in Georgia. This week, the EU offers 3.9 billion euros to help Georgia improve connectivity. Georgia is very dependent upon foreign investment. Uh, let's see, the net international investment position of Georgia amounted to, to negative 22.8 billion, accounting for negative 142.1% of the last four quarters gross domestic product. Wow. Investing in Bitcoin and waiting for it to increase in value would provide an alternative to relying on foreign investments. Improved remittances. Approximately 13% of Georgia's GDP is foreign remittances. Thus, according to the World Bank, many Georgians received money from abroad or sent money abroad in 2019. If we take 5% transaction fees, which is a moderate transaction fee rate, on a volume of $2.5 billion in Georgia, then that is $125 million in fees paid by Georgian citizens to foreign financial service providers in order to participate in international payments. This $125 million in fees can be expressed <clears throat> in working time of the population. The average monthly wage is about $450 or US dollars. So the population of Georgia together has to work 277,777 months to pay the transaction fees for the modern payment system. With Lightning, these remittances could be made almost free of charge and in real time. Improves gross domestic product. This is point number five. <clears throat> Using Bitcoin for foreign transactions would increase the GDP of Georgia by about 0.5 to 0.7% for free. In addition, <clears throat> Bitcoin-friendly laws would attract investment from abroad. The market capitalization of Bitcoin is currently about $700 billion, assuming that a Bitcoin standard in Georgia leads to investments of only 0.1% of Bitcoin's market cap. Uh, that would be about $700 million in new investments in Georgia. This would also allow the Georgian state to collect more taxes. Ugh. But just the lower foreign remittance fees plus more investments would increase Georgia's GDP by about 4.4%. Six, reduce merchant fees. Instead of using foreign payment service providers such as Visa or MasterCard, one could use the comparable services on the Bitcoin network, i.e. the Lightning network. Approximately 1.5 to 2.5% is charged for each transaction made by customers in Georgian businesses. Not to be neglected, expensive technology has to be acquired in order to use said credit cards. And even more, Bitcoin offers an instant settlement with no chargebacks or anything like that. The startup costs for technology are also eliminated because all that is needed is a smartphone with internet access. Number seven, digital ID, sorry, digital IDs or legal proof of identity. Digital IDs should be designed from the beginning to provide better privacy, security, and control. In Georgia, for example, about 6% of the population have no ID, which is also one reason why many people don't have access to the banking system. Bitcoin fixes this. 
With Bitcoin, it doesn't matter what country's passport a person possesses, or even if they have a passport at all, or any other form of ID. It also doesn't matter what nationality or ethnicity anyone is. Anybody can connect to this network. <clears throat> Why not just give every citizen a public address in the blockchain using Microsoft's project, project ION, for example? Bitcoin's decentralized, secure, proven technology is already in existence. Eight, using mining as a country. Georgia's domestic energy production is advanced. Most of the energy needs are met with cheap and sustainable hydroelectricity. Bitcoin mining is a very effective incentive system. The cheaper the electricity, the more profitable the mining efforts. Okay. Quote, according to estimates, currently only about 25% of Georgia's potential is, is exploited. Therefore, there's a lot of untapped potential, mostly from hydro resources, but also from wind, solar, geothermal, and biomass sources as well, according to investingeorgia.org. Nine, get investments from all over the world. Quote, the relative cheapness of labor compared with the EU, the simplified business registration system and relatively low tax burden compared with the EU may prove to be stimulating factors in the creation of new jobs in the national economy of Georgia, says Vladimir Papava from the Ivan Tbilisi State University. Now, there's no way that I am actually going to be able to say that name. So I'm just going to say Tbilisi State University. It's, wow. That, that's a lot of consonants, man. Georgia is a country with the lowest electricity cost in the world. The price of electricity is $0.058 in U.S. dollars per kilowatt hour for households and $0.053 U.S. dollars for businesses, which includes all components of the electricity bill, such as cost of power, distribution, and taxes. Georgia is ranked 12th in the world in the Index of Economic Freedom with a progressive Bitcoin policy. These advantages could be used to attract global investment. And wow, I mean, the guy's laying out a really good story for Georgia. So he ends it here. That was just a summary from a 37-page report, Bitcoin for Governments. I like the country, Georgia, and the people. The nature here is beautiful, the food is delicious, the wine is tasty, and the culture is fascinating. But you can probably substitute Georgia with any one of many developing countries worldwide, which would all likewise benefit from Bitcoin adoption. Bitcoin would help so many countries that are forgotten by big nations. Emerging nations like Georgia can become ascendant countries and overtake the West if they move faster on key enabling technologies like Bitcoin. For me, the most exciting aspect of the Bitcoin network is financial inclusion and economic empowerment for developing markets. Bitcoin is not about rich countries getting richer. It's about closing the gap and turning emerging markets into developed markets. Perfect. Dude, it, it, honestly, man, this is, he's, he laid out a really, good, a really good case for Georgia and other countries using, adopt, using and adopting Bitcoin. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, Georgia is exactly one of the countries that I'm talking about when I talk about the countries that need Bitcoin. I look at Central, South America, Africa, Eastern Bloc countries, uh, the Baltics, the Balkans, and other forgotten countries you know, around the world. And he's right. They are forgotten countries. The West just forgot them, except when we need to exploit them. Sorry, that's just the truth. I mean, in China, China ain't any better at it. And, and clearly France and their, their stranglehold on 14 African countries, 
may very well end up being the worst exploitative country in the entire world. This needs to happen. All I'm not looking at at the West for adoption of Bitcoin. It's everybody else, excluding China. Okay, because China's not part of the West, but they might as well be as for as, for the way they act. Moving on, Canada, not wanting to be left behind, says that CBDC probably is necessary for competition, Central Bank says in a paper. <laughs> Coindesk, uh, Eliza Gritsky, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but I'm having, that's the shtick here over at Bitcoin and. A central bank digital currency is probably necessary for a competitive digital economy, the Bank of Canada said in a staff paper published Tuesday. Probably necessary. That sounds like a meme just waiting to happen. Greg, get on it. This looks like uh, likely illegal, probably necessary. I, I'm saying it, man. Make the memes, guys. Go out there and make all the memes about probably necessary. A CBDC would give consumers a non-bank option to store their money risk-free, increasing competition in the market for retail deposits, argues the authors of the paper titled The Positive Case for a CBDC. The digital currency would also allow users to bypass payment service providers such as credit cards, which antitrust watchdogs globally have said exhibit anti-competitive practices, the central bank said. The digital currency might be a, quote, measured path to combat big tech monopolies and negative externalities, at least in payments, the authors argue. Central banks around the world are studying the feasibility of a digital currency, with China having made the most progress. The total number of transactions using the digital yuan as of the end of June was 70.75 million, spread amongst almost 21 million personal wallets and 3.5 million enterprise wallets, the People's Bank of China said in a Progress white paper last week in which it confirmed smart contract programmability. The uh, Bank of Canada paper argues that CBDCs endowed with programmability through smart contracts will engender vibrant innovation and competition in digital services. The bank also noted that smart contracts come with risk, software bugs, vulnerability to cyber attacks, scalability issues, and the difficulty of bringing off-chain data into the blockchain. The central bank reiterated its previous position that there are two potential scenarios under which it might issue a CBDC in Canada, either because cash was no longer widely used in Canada or because an alternative digital currency was so widely used that it threatened the country's monetary sovereignty. The bank said the latter scenario is unlikely. <laughs> They're talking about Bitcoin, by the way. But even if a CBDC is issued, anti-competitive regulation will likely still be neg uh, necessary, the paper said. So probably necessary. Make the memes, ladies and gentlemen. Make all the memes. Uh, our RIGS, R-I-G-Z, ETF, provides exposure to the infrastructure underpinning Bitcoin. This is Bitcoin Magazine. Namsios is writing it. According to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine, registered investment advisor and emerging fund manager Veridi Funds has announced today the launch of its cleaner energy crypto mining and semiconductor RIGS, R-I-G-Z, exchange-traded fund. Veridi said a growing number of investors are interested in gaining exposure to Bitcoin through regulated investment avenues while seeking committed or rather commitment to environmental sustainability. Oh, gay. The release claims investors can now grab such exposure through rigs, which began trading on July the 20th, 2021 in the New York Stock Exchange. Quote, Bitcoin mining is a sector that is particularly well suited to such an investment product 
as, according to recent figures, over 50% of North American Bitcoin mining is done using renewable energy sources, which is a trend that Veridi hopes to encourage through products like RIGS, the release said. However, RIGS is not a Bitcoin ETF. It, ex it offers exposure to clean energy Bitcoin mining and encompasses a broader range of related businesses. Veridi CEO Wes Fulford explained in a video how the fundamental value proposition of their ETF is actually going or is actually to, quote, invest in the infrastructure that underpins the Bitcoin network, end quote. Further, quote, we have expanded the portfolio allocation to further down the value chain to some of the semiconductor companies and the manufacturers of the equipment themselves, Fulford said. We want to be a niche infrastructure offering targeting retail and institutional investors. Bitcoin exchange traded funds have been all the buzz this year, but while countries like Canada and Brazil have already listed Bitcoin ETFs in their stock exchanges, the United States is yet to see one approved by the Securities and Exchange Commission. However, Following unparalleled institutional Bitcoin adoption levels seen in 2021, Bloomberg's top ETF analysts claim the SEC might capitulate soon. Additionally, the former chair of the Commodities Futures Trading Commission recently painted a positive picture for just such an approval, claiming it could benefit both investors and regulators. And in the case of RIGS, it can provide an alternative, more convenient avenue for investing in the physical infrastructure that powers the digital Bitcoin network from mining companies to rigs and semiconductor manufacturers. However, those who wish to reap the benefits of mining directly while contributing to network security can consider setting up some rigs in their own homes. And that is actually spelled R-I-G-Z, i.e. get your own damn miner and start buzzing away. Oh, let's end this with this one. ETH developer Virgil Griffith has been thrown back in jail after checking his Coinbase account. You remember Virgil? He's the guy that got arrested for, I, I think he went to, yeah, it was North Korea. He went into North Korea and gave a talk to the government or government, uh, government officials about the use of cryptocurrency to avoid sanctions and then boasted about it all over social media and then got fucking nailed to the floor. And apparently they let him out and now he's back in again. Martin Young tells us more from Cointelegraph. Ethereum developer Virgil Griffith has violated the terms of his bail and has been taken into custody after he allegedly accessed his cryptocurrency account. The re remand order came for the United States District Judge P. Kevin Castle after Griffith reportedly sought to access Ethereum assets held by Coinbase in May. So let's pause. He got into his Coinbase account. He got reported, most likely by Coinbase, and they threw his ass back in jail. If you, if you need yet another, yet different reason to get your shit off the exchange and never have your shit on an exchange, this is why. He's getting thrown in jail because he accessed his Ethereum on Coinbase and that bald-headed snake in the grass. What's his name? Brian Armstrong from Coinbase called the cops on him. Dude, the Ethereum Foundation researcher will likely spend the next two months behind bars. He is scheduled to be tried on September 21st on charges of conspiracy to violate sanctions with North Korea. He already faces up to 20 years in prison on that shit alone. 
According to Law 360, Judge Castle's main concern was flight risk since the assets Griffith held had jumped in value into the $1 million range, which may have influenced his decision to check the wallet, the judge stated. Prosecutors sought remand on July the 9th, claiming that Griffith violated bail terms that sharply restrict his internet use. He allegedly accessed Coinbase to contact the exchange to request the removal of account security functions, reportedly stating, quote, I'm going to need the two-factor authentication removed as the FBI took my devices away. You didn't have a backup of your 2FA? Holy shit, dude. <sighs> Defense lawyers claimed the, the attempt to access Coinbase was made after consulting his counsel adding that it was his family in Alabama that made the attempt on his behalf. Uh, Griffith was charged and indicted on January the 7th after his arrest in November of 2019 for conspiracy to violate International Emergency Economic Powers Act. He was initially denied bail, but was finally granted a bond order for $1 million at the end of December 2019. Uh, then they go into a little bit about his assistance to North Korea. Again, if you got your shit on an exchange or held by some institution, get it off. And even if you're, you know, even if you're an ETH head, get your shit off too. I mean, I don't like Ethereum. I don't like shit coins, but I don't, I don't like what's, you know, this guy, he, he just, I know he violated terms of his bail. I get it. I'm not thrilled that he went to North Korea and did what he did, but you know, People should be free to do what they want. I'm not sure if he was actually engaged in terrorist activity because he was telling them how to thwart you, you know, sanctions. It ain't, it ain't that, you know, ain't that hard anyway. But still, he got, he checked his account and Brian Armstrong called the cops on him. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for, for ratting anybody, you know, for ratting anybody out. Don't use Coinbase. Don't use any exchange. If you're going to use an exchange, then plan it out, the, figure it out. Just don't keep it there so that you can like, you know, I don't know, like take advantage of a dip or, or sell a top or something like that. Figure out what you're going to do, have a plan of attack, put your shit on the exchange that day, execute your trade and get it off. Get it off. Otherwise, one day you're going to make a phone call to Coinbase and you're going to be thrown in jail not because you already violated the law, but maybe because a new law comes into effect that we don't know about yet. Get your shit off an exchange, not your keys, not your coin. Can't let you go without telling you a joke. Dad says jokes. What do you call a man who has finished digging? Doug. All right, as always, if you want to support the show, listen to it through the Breeze uh, Wallet app on their podcasting portion of their wallet or through Sphinx Chat or any number of podcasting 2.0 enabled podcast listening devices. Uh, you can stream me sats directly to my Lightning Node and I will get those directly on my Lightning Node without a third party intermediary other than the other Lightning Nodes that, I went, that your Satoshis went through on the network to get to me and I will stream you my dulcet tones in return. Hey, man, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.